Good morning. How's everybody? Good deal. So like most of you, I am dealing with some allergies, right? Everybody enjoy working outside yesterday? Good deal. So if you hear me choking or coughing, it's not you. It's the allergies. Hey, go to Genesis with me, uh, Genesis chapter 16, and you put a, a finger there and we'll come back, come there. This is the week we get to celebrate, um, some refer to it as Holy Week, some refer to it as something else, but this is the week, Palm Sunday, as we lead into, as Jocelyn's prayer said, as we lead into um, the recognizing Jesus' death and celebrating his resurrection and so we get to, get to remember that this week and celebrate that on Friday. We're going to do a Facebook Live post. Uh, so just, be a, just watch out for that, just in, in recognition of Good Friday. And so you can tune into that to, and, and hear a little bit about what's going on there. Um, so my prayer for you this week is that you would remember and that you would have your mind set on the fact that you have a God that sent his son that here on this earth to die and to for your sins and to cover your sins and so that you can have a relationship with him. And not only did he die, but he rose again and we have a risen Savior because of it. And so that's my prayer for you guys this week and for every day thereafter. Um, so Genesis chapter 16. There's a story and in, in, um, if you're new with us, we're in a series called I Am. And we're looking at who God is and, and the names that have been given to God and names that he's given to himself. And he specifically told Moses that he is I am. And when he, that Moses was struggling with something, uh, God said, well, just tell him that I am sent you. And so I am is one of these, these names that encompasses a lot. And so the, the interesting thing in all of this is, is when we look at this is we can trust that God is who he says he is. And who we need him to be at the right time. And so this is who our God is and this is what he brings to our lives. And so we have been walking through the different names of God and what they mean. And, and then the reason why in all of it is just not so that we can uh, know all these different names of God. I mean, that would be great, but there's got to be a point to it. And my prayer through this whole series has been that not only would we learn the names of God, but because we know who God is, we would start to trust him more and more each day. Because I honestly believe that this, for my own life, a lot of times I don't trust God because a lot of times I'm not really confident in who he is. Not that he isn't who he is. It comes back to me and my own belief. It comes back to me and whether I question or whether I doubt or whatever it is. And so a lot of times in my faith journey, I start to question who God is, and so then I stop trusting him. And all he asks is that, one, I believe, believe in him, but then I also live a life of trusting him. And so if I know who he is and I plant that into my heart, maybe, just maybe, I'll start to trust him each and every day of my life as I continue to take faith step after faith step. And he shows up every single time because he is who he says he is and he is I am. And so we're in a, we're in a new name today. And the new name is Elroy. And it is a God sees me. And in Genesis chapter 16, there's a story, and we covered a little bit of it a while back, about Abraham. And Abraham was promised a child. And the, the promise didn't come fast enough for him and his wife. And so they decided, like most of us, when things don't move fast enough, what do we do? We take matters into our own hands, and we say, okay, God, you go ahead. This is obviously one of those promises that you want me to take care of for you. So I got this. 
and uh, I'll go ahead and walk this out, and you just, you, you just bless what I do, and we'll be good. And so we do this a lot. We sit there and we say, you know what, I, I know he promised this, and I know he said this about me, and I know he said this, uh, that this is going to happen. And so what I'll do is I'll just take matters into my own hands, because let's let, be honest, we live in a fast food world where it's my way right away, like a Burger King. And so we just like to live our faith journey that way, and there's something about God that says, no, sometimes you've got to wait on me. Sometimes you got to wait till to wait for this, and so this is something that Abraham and Sarah went through, and they had this this promise of a child, and so it wasn't coming fast enough, and they were getting older and older, and they kept questioning, "What? what something's not right here. You, your promise hasn't come through." So don't worry, God, we got this. And so Sarah said, oh, "You know what? Why don't you take my maidservant, and you can um, get her pregnant, and we'll have we'll have fulfilled God's promise through my maidservant." So. You know, Abraham didn't complain, and he didn't say anything. He said, okay. And he went in, and they conceived a child, and Ishmael came. And then guess what happens after that? Sarah got, no. Sarah got what? Jealous, angry, mad. And what happens when people get jealous and angry and upset? Not good things. Not good things at all. Actually, a lot of times, you know what they really do is they turn on the person they're jealous of. They turn on the person they're jealous of. And they take that anger out on the person they're jealous of. Is somebody angry with you right now? Somebody attacking you right now? Maybe they've got something going on in their own heart they got to deal with. So we have Sarai who's getting angry, upset. And not only that, she's not only upset with, with Hagar, not upset just with Hagar, she turns on her husband. And says, you deal with this. And like a good husband, you know what he says? Do whatever you want. I don't care. You take care of it. And so what happens? So in all the midst, there's this lady, Hagar, who was thrown in the midst, given over to a man and to, to fulfill a promise. And all of this, the, 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 blunt of, the, the brunt of everything that went on was put on Hagar. And what does she do? She flees. She flees, she runs, she gets away from the situation. She didn't want to go through the abuse anymore, so she gets away and she runs and she goes to this place in the wilderness and she sits and she doesn't know what to do and she just starts in the moment of being abandoned, a moment of being isolated, a moment of, of fear, of not knowing what's going on, and a moment of being attacked and all these other things that happen when, when we're walking through life and all this stuff and then all of a sudden God shows up. God shows up and he meets her right there in that moment. And it says this. In verse 8, 7. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, behold, you are with child and you will bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live to the east of all his brothers. 
Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees, Elroy. For she said, I have I even remained alive here after seeing him. Therefore the well was called, I have no idea how to even pronounce that, Bear Lahoyeroy. Behold, it is between Kaddish and Bered. See, we have a God that sees us. We have a God that sees us right where we're at. And see, here's the interesting thing in all of this. There's a God that has shown up. There's a God that continues to show up. There's a God that meets us right in the middle of our affliction, right in the middle of those moments when we're not really sure of. But it's even more than that. It's even more than just in those moments of, of affliction. Right now, in this current situation, this current moment, do you know that God sees you right where you're at? Right now, with whatever you're dealing with, with whatever you're going through, with whatever you're wrestling with, with whatever you got going on, with whatever you're celebrating, with whatever situation in your current situation right now, you have a God that sees you. He's looking at you and he, is, he looks and he knows what you're going through right now. And so for those of us that have this moment where we think we're all alone and that we don't, we, that he doesn't care, because I've heard this from people, they say, said, Chad, I don't believe that God is still present in today's world. I don't believe that God's present. I think he, he created earth, he created humans, and then he left us just to be by ourselves. And I have to say that that's not what my Bible says. That's not what God says. See, God is a God who sees us. Right now in your current situation, in your current life, you have a God that is looking at you and a God that loves you more than anything. Second thing is this, or Luke 19, 5 says this, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today I must stay at your house. See, there's this, this story in the New Testament where this guy Zacchaeus who was a sinner, he was uh, a tax collector, he was not well liked, he, uh, he was looked at as an outsider and, and a lot of people didn't care for him too much. And it's so interesting that if you read this story and go into Luke 19 and read it, that Zacchaeus had a stirring in his heart and he wanted to belong because tax collectors weren't accepted in this day. And so what happened a lot of times is, is they were outcast and they, no one liked them because why? They were going in and taking money. But Zacchaeus had some wealth. And because of his wealth and all that he had, a lot of people didn't like him because he was the one that was responsible for collecting taxes that went back to Rome. And so just this is the way it was. And right now in your current situation, you may be in a, in, a, in a situation where you don't feel loved by people, where you don't feel appreciated, where you don't feel like you belong, where you feel like there's something wrong with you. And, and here's what I notice as I read this passage about Zacchaeus, even in the midst of his deepest struggles, in the midst of everything he had, and this man had, had a lot material-wise. Material Earthly standard, he had a lot, but he's still missing something. And in this story, we get to see a God, uh, the Savior, Jesus, walking on a road. And he gets, and he actually takes the moment to look up at Zacchaeus and catch his eye and says, you know what, I'm coming to your house today. So whatever your situation you're in, whatever situation you got going on right now, you have a God that sees you where you're at. Second promise is this, as we look at who God is and what that means to us and what it means about him. 
In Job 12, 22, it says this, He reveals mysteries from the darkness and brings the deep darkness into light. In the story of Hagar, do you think she was having a dark moment? Do you think that she was questioning whether to live or to die? Do you think that she was questioning what was going on? See, we live in a world today where suicide rate is, is ridiculous. We live in a world today where seven-year-old boys question whether they want to live or not. And I'm willing to bet there are people in this church right here that you hit those darkest moments of your life and you start to question whether life is worth living. We have these dark moments. Our kids have these dark moments. Hagar had a very dark moment. And in that moment, the God who sees showed up, met her right where she was at, and spoke to her. In your darkest moment, you have a God that sees you. You have a God that is present in your life. He's there. He loves you. And here's what I love about Job. Job, the passage of Job, if you go read the story about Job, Job was a guy that we complain about stuff. We got nothing to complain about when we look at his story. This guy went through the ringer. He lost everything. Everything except his wife and his pitiful friends. And those friends were saying, oh, you need to turn on God. And he said, no, I'm not going to turn on God. And he kept his eyes focused on his God. And in Job's darkest moment, he says this. I'll read it again. In one of his darkest moments, he goes, he reveals mysteries from the darkness. See, right now we may be sitting in a very dark moment in our life. We may be sitting in a place we, don't, we can't see out of. We don't know what the point of it is. We don't know why we're here. We don't understand what God's doing. We don't get it. We just, we're sitting in those dark moments. Or maybe we know somebody that is sitting in a dark place. And I love how Job says this. He reveals mysteries from the darkness and brings the deep darkness into the light. Do you know what happens in the light? God brings healing. When we things come out, into the light, God brings truth. When things come out in the light, God drives out fear. God drives out the lies that we believe. He drives out when we bring things out of the darkness and the mysteries of the darkness and the things that trap us and we allow God's light to shine in that, he points a light to the lies that we believe about ourselves and the lies that the world tells us. That's why it's... It's why my prayer for these beautiful babies that were dedicated today is that, that God, that, that, that they would realize that there's, the world is going to tell them lies and they have to allow God's truth to penetrate their lives. 
I pray that for my children. I pray it for yours. I pray it for this church. Because if the one thing I understand about this is that the evil one, Satan, wants to convince us of all the worldly lies that are out there that says you're not good enough, you don't look right, you don't belong here. You know what? Maybe life isn't worth living. These lies that we get caught up with and we have a God that wants to bring those things that are in the dark and he wants to shine the light on it and replace it with his truth of who he says he is. Why? Because we have a God that sees us right in our darkest moments. The third thing. This is the hardest one for me. And it comes back to my trust issues. I know y'all don't have trust issues. I do. Y'all want to know why I have trust issues? I'm going to share this with you. You ever go to a, um, a place and you, you go and you reach down and you grab a cookie and you think that cookie's chocolate chip? Oh, and what is it? And so, see? <laughs> and your hope is, oh, maybe, just maybe they made some chocolate chip oatmeal cookies. No, they didn't. They stuck those stinking raisins in it. And for every one of you that says, oh, Chad, quit hating on an oatmeal raisin cookie, the next time I see you grab a chocolate chip cookie in front of me with not an oatmeal, I'm going to throw it at you. I'm just kidding. Not really. Anyway, trust it. So, well, yeah, trust issues. If you're going to put oatmeal raisin cookies out, mark them. Do something. Actually, just don't make them, and life would be better. Here, here's the truth in all of this. We all have trust issues in what we believe. When God speaks something into our lives, we all wrestle with whether we can trust him or not. We do. I do. Because if, if we trusted him, our life and our world would look a lot different. If we truly trusted him and trusted what he said, then our life would look a lot different. And we would not react to a lot of the stuff that goes on. If we truly trusted him, you know, in those darkest moments, in those darkest moments, we would, we would start to believe him for the truth and not the lie that put us in those darkest moments. If we trusted him, we wouldn't try to fix the very things that he told us was going to happen and he was going to make happen. We wouldn't take those matters into our own hands. We'd actually just start to walk out in trust and faith and believe that what he said is going to happen is going to happen. And all we got to do is just keep walking it out. And we trust him. And he'd show up and he'd be the God I am in our lives if we trusted him. So this third part I want you to understand here is this is probably the hardest part for us to grasp is that we have a God who sees us in our future, who knows what our future looks like. We have a God that knows exactly what's going to happen tomorrow, that's going to happen today, that's going to happen in a year. We have a God that is all-knowing and is going to see us right where we're at in our future. He knows the decisions we're going to make. He knows how, how things are going to work out. He knows that he is going to work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He knows all these things. He knows that those that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion as we continue to love him and follow him. See, God sees our future. He's a God that sees it. The only problem is, is that since we don't see it, we stop trusting. And we take matters into our own hands and we say, God, I got this. See, we have a God who sees us in our future. 
Philippians 1, 6 says this, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you know that the perfect piece, the perfect piece, the completion piece, happens when Jesus comes? When we go meet Jesus. So right now you are a work in progress. And he sees every step of the way with you. The third, the second, Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God is at work in our lives. He is at work in our lives, and he sees what we are to become. Do you realize in the story of Hagar, in the story of Hagar, I want us to catch this. In the story of Hagar, when matters were taken into Abram and Sarai's hands, and they decide, since God, you're not going to move fast enough, and Abram's getting old, and as a dad, I don't know if he can hang that when he's that old. We'll take matters into our own hands, even out of something that God did not plan. God showed up. God's plan wasn't for Abraham to have a kid with Hagar. That wasn't his promise. But even in the midst of that, he shows up. Go read that story and you see how when the Lord shows up, not only does he see Hagar where she's at in her darkest moment of being abandoned, of struggling where she's at, not only does, does God meet her there and see her there, but he puts a promise on her life. He puts a promise on that kid that is growing, that is there in her belly, in her womb. And he said, nations will come from this child. Look, even even if we make mistakes and even if we take matters into our own hands and even if we do something stupid and we end up in the darkest moment possible, God still shows up and his promise still comes out of it. Guys, God's promise isn't dependent on me. It doesn't happen because of me. It happens because of him. He sees me and he knows what I'm going through. He knows me in my darkest moments. He knows when I'm questioning life. He knows when I feel abandoned. He knows when I feel all these things going on. He knows when I'm joyful. He knows when I'm celebrating. He knows everything because he's a God that sees me. And he's going to work all things out for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So what do I do with this? As an individual who belongs to Jesus and has given my life to Jesus, what do I do knowing that I have a God that sees me? That sees me in my current situation, that sees me in my darkest moments, and that sees my future for what he's working out. How do I respond? The first thing I need to do is I need to respond by engaging with God. When the angel of the Lord showed up to Hagar, it met there with Hagar. Hagar didn't turn her back on, on the angel of the Lord. Hagar didn't run. Hagar didn't flee. You know what she did? She engaged him. She had a conversation with him. Do you know that in this particular passage when it says the angel of the Lord that they're actually talking about the Lord? Do you know that Hagar is the one that actually saw the Lord? Moses only saw him as he passed by. Hagar in her darkest moment met God. 
looked at him, engaged with him. Sometimes we just need to engage with our father. We need to, we need to talk to him. We need to let him know what's going on. We need to have a conversation with him. We need to engage with his word. He's given this to us. We need to open it up and engage with. Do you know what I mean by engage with God's word? Here's what I don't mean. I don't mean you open it up and you just start reading. Engage with it. This is called a pen. You can use a pencil. I promise you God will still love you if you do this. You start writing questions and statements of what God's speaking to you. You engage with it. You you read it till something pops up. You read it till he speaks to your heart. You read it until he challenges you with something. When you engage with God's word, things start flying off the pages. He starts revealing himself to you. In your darkest moments, in your current situation, and even as you live your life for him in in the future, as you engage with God, he starts speaking to you in a whole new way. Do more than just read. Engage with your God. The second thing is this. I need to start looking for God in the moment. Hagar was in her darkest moment, was in her darkest peace, and she was hopeless. She didn't know what was going on. And in that moment, she found God. Do I know if she was looking for him? I don't don't know. But here's what I know about us. That as we look at our current situation, even our darkest moments, if we look for God in those moments, we'll find him. You know how I know this? Because he's right there waiting for you. Look for God in those moments. Where's he at? I've seen God show up in some of the darkest moments, darkest conversations, uh, in in the peace of those things. And it's as simple as this. I'll be in a conversation with somebody and I'll be completely lost as far as how to reply or how what to say or what counsel to give. And I'll simply say in my mind and have a prayer that says, God, help me here. And in that moment, I'm looking for God in the moment. You know what he does? He shows up and he gives me wisdom. He gives me discernment. It's amazing what happens. He allows me to see things that that I normally wouldn't see when I see God and I look for him in the moment. The third thing is this. As one that belongs to him, I need to simply trust him by persevering. I need to trust God by persevering. What's that look like? It looks like this. We live in a world today where it's so easy to quit. It's so easy to give up. Commitment in this world today, in our society today, is non-existent. People drop things at the drop of a hat. I, I get to coach sports And what's interesting to me is some of the kids, when they start complaining, very quickly their parents are like, okay, sweet, that's okay. You don't have to play. You don't have to fulfill your commitment. My dad's laughing right now because I tried to quit football one time, and he goes, (laughs) we're a Ricks, we don't quit. He even called me. He's got this, what is it, a Hobby Lobby state, whatever, winners don't quit or something. Oh, no, it's funny. He's got it right in the boys' room in their house. It's awesome. 
Because we have a God who sees us. Because we have a God who knows us and sees us, right? And we, we trust him by persevering. What's that mean? I got to keep walking. I got to keep trusting. I got to keep believing that he's going to show up, that he is who he says he is, that he's going to see me along the way, that he's going to walk with me. In the midst of Hagar in her darkest moment, she had a God that see, saw her, that she met. And Hagar could have said, I don't believe you for the promise you just gave me, God. And she could have quit and she could have stayed there in the wilderness. But what did she do? She got up because God says, I got something for you. She went back to the very situation that she was not happy about, that she left in the, from the get-go. She went back to it, and guess what happened? God fulfilled his promise. She had to persevere through that. She had to keep going. She had to keep taking these steps. See, here's what's happened when we follow God. Here's what happens when we try to follow God. We make a commitment to follow God, much like making a commitment to raise our kids in a godly home or, or being supportive to families that, that have committed to, to raising kid, Jesus followers. We'll see, what happens is when we make a commitment, we make an outward commitment of what's going on or what we want to do. See, the evil one will come and he'll distract us. He'll start robbing us of joy. He'll start robbing us. He'll distract us and try to knock us off and try to, give us to do, get us to do what? To quit. And the very thing we need to do is trust him by persevering, which means that when the hard stuff comes, I take another step of faith. And I look for him right in the moment. And I keep going. See, God never told us to quit. Our quitting day is the day he calls us home. But until that day, we just keep taking steps of faith. One after the other and we persevere we keep going hebrews 13 5 8 says 8 8 says this 5 to 8 make sure that your character is free from the love of money in other words make sure your character you don't allow it to get distracted by the worldly stuff being content with what you have for he himself has said the god who sees us has said this i will never desert you nor will i ever forsake you so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. And considering the results of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. God always sees us. And God will always be there. That's who he is. He can't be anything else. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your love for us. Lord, may we, as we just think about the fact that we have a God who sees everything we're going through. That we have a God who meets us right where we're at. That we have a God that wants to engage us and wants to still speak truth and promise in the darkest of moments. Lord, there you are to see us. There you are to meet us. And my prayer is that we would respond by engaging with you, by praying with you, by, by walking with you, by listening to your word and planting it in our hearts. Lord, that we would respond by not quitting in our faith journey. God, we would just persevere. 
because we're a child of you, we don't quit. Because we're a child of the God who sees, we don't give up. But even when we fall, even when we stumble, Lord, we get up and we continue to follow you and pursue you with all that we have. Thank you for being a God that loves us, a God that meets us in every moment, and a God that sees us. And Lord, may we respond with our lives in a way that honors you and brings you glory. And we ask all this in Christ's name.